If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. The talent for so many players today, the talent in the spotlight, it's taking them to heights that their character's not strong enough to support. I'm one of those set goals, chief goals. I talked about faith, passion, obviously the drive the guys that I've been around and the guys that surround me every single day. If I want to be one of the best, I've got to play with and against the best. Okay, so that which gets praised gets repeated. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle, brought to you by PGC Basketball. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the Hardwood Hustle broadcasting here in Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Adam Bradley, alongside T.J. Rosen. We've got a special episode for you today. But before we do, let's lean in to learn what's new from our friends over Shot Tracker. Yeah, I thought I'd share with our coaches today um, an interesting little article that Stephen Shea, um, who you and I had the opportunity to meet, just one of the best analytics guys. We've had him on the show before. Um, but he was talking about tracking contested shots and uncontested shots and uh, how important it can be uh, to the success of your team. So, you know, if you're thinking about uh, analytics as a way to get a leg up, first of all, you got to check out Shot Tracker. But the stat today that I want you to think about, coaches, is contested versus uncontested shots. Watching your games, watching your practices, over time, that little 1% or 2% or 3% less shooting percentage is going to lead to more wins for you. So there's a stat for you to think about tracking. Very helpful, TJ. Appreciate it. Listen, TJ, you know we talk a lot about culture on the show, and it's obviously a major theme and something I'm very passionate about, something you're very passionate about. You know, But the, the reality is there's a lot of different ways to evaluate the strength of your culture and your program. But today we're going to talk about one way, one indicator that you can evaluate to determine how healthy your culture is in your program. TJ, I recently heard, and we're going to build off this today, that when your program's legacy and standards becomes as intimidating as the competition, you know you've built a strong culture. Let me say that again. When your program's legacy and standards is as intimidating as the competition, you know you've built a strong, healthy culture. I think about it in this regard. When the thought of playing your program, so I'm looking at a, as an opponent, I'm looking at the schedule, and I see that I'm playing X school, okay? When I begin to think that that is intimidating, even without looking at the roster, hmm. that's, a, that's a communication that you've built something special. Right. Okay? On the flip side, internally, so it's almost externally, externally, people view your program and without even knowing the roster makeup or what you have coming back this year, they just know, oh man, I've got so-and-so on the schedule. That's going to be tough. Right. Yeah. That that's an identifier from an external perspective that you've built something really special. But internally, when your players on the roster where they feel more pressure or more intimidated in a healthy way to live up to the standards and continue the legacy in your program, they feel more pressure there than they do the competition in front of them. I think about right down the street, Dematha High School. If I'm an opponent and I'm looking at the schedule, without even knowing the roster makeup of DeMatha High School, I see DeMatha on the schedule, I know that's tough. I know we're going to have to be our best that day because that DeMatha kind of connects to a theme within the culture that they, they, they're always going to be well coached, super talented, super athletic. You kind of know what to expect. And on the same flip side, if I was playing for DeMatha, I'd feel as much pressure to kind of meet the standards within the program and to continue the legacy, maybe even more so than the competition. Mm. 
I think about that also with you, though, TJ and Emmanuel. I, I, I'd have to imagine that the teams that you face regularly, when they look at the roster and, or the schedule and see Emmanuel College, without knowing who you've got, right, without knowing what your DNA is for that particular team with that group of players, they know Emmanuel College, based on what you've built, They've got to be their best. Mm, yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for the compliment. I, I, I've never thought of it in that terms, but uh, I would love it if coaches thought of us that way and they're thinking that way. Do you and, think they do? Like, think about it. I mean, this is a chance for you to evaluate your own yeah. culture here on the spot in, in the same way a coach would. You know, when when opponents look down the roster, the schedule, they see a manual. What do you think goes through their mind? Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think they're thinking that's a really tough out, you know, and I, I only just say that because of feedback. I try and be a good self-evaluator and try and ask other coaches, my coaching friends, what are we doing well? What are we not doing well? What do people think? I actually just had that conversation with two of my good coaching friends. I said, tell me about my program. What do you think? Mm. What do we do well? What, what, what are the thoughts? And I got really, really good feedback um, from the coach. I, I felt like it was really good. Um, I was evaluating things I wanted to do better. But, uh, I, yeah, I think probably our opponents think we're, we're a tough out. And I think the, to go to your point about you know our players internally feeling that, I've heard them articulate that before. And we're sitting on, I don't know what it is, 10, 11, 20 win seasons in a row. But I – but I think probably what they feel more of the pressure from, which can also be sometimes a little bit detrimental, like I've got to be careful of this. Like our standard is really high, specifically on, on how we want our young men to show up, right? And the one thing that I can – what I often say is, you know, gosh, the standard that we've set for them is so high that it can be intimidating. You can also feel like a failure a lot of times because you, you didn't meet this expectation. Where Not to put down other programs – but they might have played for another program or they could be in another program and that coach would think they're doing great. You know, be like, oh, yeah, this is great. They're, they're not doing this. They're not doing that. They're not, you know, the standard could be they're not getting in trouble. <laughs> right. Right. And our standard would be that you're not adding enough value to the people around you. And that's, that, that's a pressure in itself to young people. I mean, hopefully you try and make it as good a pressure as you can, like you talked about. And, and they're feeling um, a level of this bar is high. But you never achieve great things by lowering the bar, you know. And so keeping that bar high and, and trying to raise that bar every year should be a goal of every coach. Right. It's an honor to reach for that bar, right? Like, and we've got to view it that way. What an opportunity. What an honor to be in this situation. Yes, I'm going to have to work for it. Yes, I'm going to have to reach up. But I get a chance to do that. I'm curious, TJ, you mentioned your players have even articulated it. How would that look like? What that sound like? Well, I, I particularly I remember a meeting this year when we were struggling a little bit, and you know a couple of our leaders saying, "Listen, this isn't a manual basketball. Like, I don't want to be remembered as the group that did this, or I don't want to be remembered as the group that did that." And they articulated that pressure. You know, like they had played on championship teams. I mean, everybody that's been there has played on some sort of championship team, and they didn't want to be remembered as the one that couldn't hold the rope. And that articulation, when I heard it, was like, you know, there's two things that I try to do. Is One, I try to say, you know, I appreciate you wanting to hold the legacy. And two, this team has to have its own journey. You know, so I was trying to balance that out, that this team is different. And every team's going to go on a different journey. And, you know, we could still win a championship, but we might not have 30 wins. We might don't, you know, just trying to balance out that the expectation a little bit. 
of of the process they were in versus the process or a journey another team might have been on. Um, but it, it it spoke volumes about the 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 commitment to the program. So I was honored by a player to you know mentioning that. I, I think it's interesting though, TJ, that when they do have that pressure internally, you're only better preparing them for what's to come. Right, because every single day in the midst of what they're living in, living within your program, there's such a high standard where I've got to be my best day in and day out to be part of this program that it's preparing me for when I face the tougher competition. And that's why I really believe when you know your program's legacy is more intimidating than the competition, it's like, man, what a relief for game day. Right, like get to that point, like man, I get to go out and play today. It doesn't feel as pressure filled or as pressure packed because I've been playing and, and performing and living at such a high standard already. It's just a continuation of that. Yeah. Where I think a lot of times other programs, it's like you may be coasting at a certain level, and then you got to raise it on game day, coasting at a certain level, raise it at certain levels. Where I think when you've built an extremely strong culture that is built on the quote we were referencing here. Your standard's high all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, John Wooden articulated that really well early on. He talked about game days just being the test. But, you know, the preparation, the quizzes daily should be harder than the test. You know, if you really want to prepare yourself. And, and I think, you know, a way to gauge whether you're creating that environment in your own practice is whether players think it's harder. And I don't even mean, I don't even mean harder like they're working more, running more. I mean, is it just... Is the is the pressure to execute just as much as it is, or more than it is in a game? Is the the demand of excellence just as much or more in practice than it is in a game? And I think those are ways to gauge whether you're heading heading into a test prepared or not. Listen, there's more that we can talk about this, and I certainly want to share some suggestions on how coaches can work towards building a culture like this. But before we do, let's take a quick halftime talk with our friends over Team Snap. Thanks to our friends over at Team Snap for today's communication tip of the episode. You hear it every episode in the intro, to that which gets praised gets repeated. This week as you're communicating with your team and with your coaches, praise the behaviors you hope to see repeated. If there was a moment of communication that got your attention and you would love to see more of that, praise it, acknowledge it, and encourage your players and coaches to do more of it. Thanks to our friends over at Team Snap, the number one app for team communication, serving almost 15 million people across the globe with their number one team communication app. Make sure you check out teamsnap.com backslash hustle. All right, TJ, there's probably coaches right now saying, yes, you know, I don't know how, how my program's perceived amongst other coaches. I'm not quite sure if my players view my program in that light where they feel this standard. And I've certainly been trying to communicate that, but I don't know if it's fully gotten there yet. What are some ways to try to move the ball along to help build that? Because the reality is it doesn't get built overnight. And I actually think that's the opposite. This is a a long-term, consistent approach. It's really hard, I think, to build this type of program and identity when you've got got a lot of inconsistency, a lot of turnover. Uh, I think one thing from a manual perspective, you've been there for a handful of years at this point, mm-hmm. right? So people can begin to uh, correlate you with the program, and there's a real identity. So I think that's the first thing, recognizing that it's going to take some time and require some consistency. Yeah, I think two things that you hit on there, consistency, number one. like, And consistency 
can mean so much. But I, I what the way I define consistency is just you know the little things done well over and over again. And the other thing I think that coaches try and do is be excellent only in a couple things rather than try and be excellent in a bunch of things. Where, where now let me let me dive deeper into that because I don't I don't mean you have to be excellent on offense, excellent on defense, excellent. But your standard, wherever you set it, should be excellent. You know, you can't ask for them to play really hard on defense, but it's okay not to play hard on offense. I don't mean your your offense has to be perfect or your defense has to be perfect. I just mean your expectations need to maintain excellence. And so, you know, if you're if you're telling players to have great sportsmanship and that's the standard, but it doesn't matter what they do in the rest of their life. It's only when they're with the team, right? You, they're not going to be excellent. And if you're asking them, you know, to give great effort on the basketball floor, but just get by in the classroom, just get by in this, just get by, right? It's really hard, and it's mixed feelings for players, you know, because everything is um, – they, they don't know. Is this meant to be excellent or is this not meant to be excellent? So I think diligence, the consistency of, of – of, of of trying to hold a high standard because we've shared this before but the way you do anything is the way you do everything but a lot of times like the coaches start thinking about hanging my hat on this like we're just going to be tough as nails on defense right that'll get you somewhere don't get me wrong that'll get you somewhere but if it, your character doesn't matter that'll eventually catch up with you if if uh, if doing things well on the offensive end aren't a standard, it'll catch up with you at some point. So excellence has to be a consistent thing that is c- demanded across the board. TJ, I think it's really interesting where I was talking to a coach recently who said after one of his games, he's a high school coach here in Virginia, coaches a girls' varsity program, and he said after one of his recent games uh, this past season, the opponent, one of the players on the opposing team, came up to him and actually started praising his culture, praising his team. He said, uh, the, the, the young lady said, I love playing against your team. They always play so hard. There's always such a great energy and enthusiasm with your group. How did you build it? It was really a mature thing to ask from this player. Super mature. Super mature. But it was really intriguing. He was sharing this story with me. But I think there's a powerful um, learning opportunity here. What if coaches took time to not just ask other coaches like you referenced earlier, TJ, but actually ask other players, how do you perceive my team? You know, what, what, is, what do you think it would be like to play for this team based on what you see from an outside looking in? I think getting perspective on this can help you become more self-aware and will help ultimately your program. Yeah, you know where I would start? My own coaches and my own players. I think that there's a lot of I guess of I was thinking that would be a given. Well, I don't and think And hopefully it is. No, I don't think it is. You don't think it is? Okay. I think if you had a culture of tra- transparency and you were to go in and ask your players, what does it mean for you to play for X, right? I I think you could learn a lot from their answers. You think they'll be truthful? I, I don't know. I don't know if they'd be truthful. Um, you ask it anonymously? I think – here's what I think. I think if you're mature enough as a coach – to interpret what they're saying, you know, like if someone was and, and honestly to ask good questions. So if they were to say, "Well, I think it's really awesome to play here, and um, everybody's really happy," you don't you don't have enough information, right. you know. You know, on a scale of one to ten, what's my expectation of you to play hard? Like, what do I demand of you? I think players would answer that truthfully. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, how much does the teammates love each other? I think I think they'd a, they'd answer that honestly. 
on a scale of one to ten, how fair do you think I am? I mean, I think if you were to go down the road and, and down all those avenues and ask, you know, how do we do this? I think you'd be surprised at the truthfulness you would get from your program. Hmm. You know, there's a three why approach to identifying culture. You just keep asking three different series of why questions to get better answers from your players. So to your point, TJ, what's it like to play here? Oh, it's awesome. Why is it awesome? It's awesome because of this, this, and this. Why do we do that? I think we do that because this is this is important, you know. Why do you think that's important? You know, three whys to try to unpack those layers from your players to get them to open up and answer and, and, and give more information. Because I do think sometimes you probably have to get it out of them. But TJ, asking other players, what do you think about that? Opposing players. I like it. I actually think you got a quote there too. Um, what was the, what did you say about layers with players? Oh, to unpack the layers with players, ask the three whys. I think that's a pretty good thing to work by. You know, if you think about uh, how do I get to what, what our program, what our players are thinking, I'd go. Um, I'd, I'd want to unpack the layers with my players, and I need to ask why three, four times. Continue to ask the questions that you just alluded to, but um, asking opponents, I, I don't know. Have you, I, have you actually ever asked a, an opposing player? I, well, I can say I've had other opponents come speak to me like okay. that. Specifically, one of the t- players t- times we get it often is when players finish their career. I get players from other programs that say, "Hey, I really liked how hard your team did this, or I like your team this," and I, you know, so that that speaks volumes to me. Um, I think asking an opponent, the only thing that would probably worry about is is the maturity level to be able to answer that question, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what kind of feedback could they give you? But there's, I'm sure there's athletes that would do that. Uh, but I do think it is really good to ask your peers and, and people you know and say, "Shoot me straight." You know, and I like I said, I just did that with two of my coaching friends, and we shot each other straight, and I thought it was really helpful. So, coaches, as you're going through the process of evaluating culture, here's one way for you to do it. Ask yourself the question we've been asking all episode. When your program's legacy and standards is as intimidating as the competition, you know you have a healthy culture. Ask yourself, does that apply to you? Does that apply to your program? Do you get the sense that your legacy and standards – that it is perceived from the outside as well as being perceived from the inside as something as that is high level, that is almost as intimidating as the competition? Do other coaches look at your name on the roster and immediately associate things? And what is it that they associate with? And, and I think one way, TJ, to kind of start this process is, you know, if you want your program to be something – You've, you've got to determine that yourself before anything else, okay? So, like, if you're asking for feedback and you're, you're saying, tell me what you think about my program, I think it's important you know what you want your program to look like in the first place. And sometimes I don't know if coaches have clear understandings and have casted enough vision for themselves for their program. That's where it's got to start. And then you start evaluating, okay, is the things I'm hearing line up? with the things I want this to be and what I want this to look like, that has to match. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it it does. And I think that's oftentimes a big problem. I think it's a big problem with our players, and I think it's a big problem with us as coaches, is that oftentimes our vision, our dream, our goals, they don't align with our actions. And and a lot of times if we don't self-evaluate and look through that, we we don't have any way to know. We just kind of – we still have the dreams. We still have the goals – 
but how do we track whether we're going that way or not? And I think that goes back to asking the questions and rolling other people in your dreams and visions. But you do have to be a good self-evaluator. Absolutely. And TJ, just so you know, I talked to a coach once who played in your conference and played you. And they did not know the lineup that you had. They did not know the players that you had on your roster. But they knew when they had to play in manual, I think twice a year, they were in for a fight. And, and that right there... Because of what you have built as the head coach, as a consistent, stable figure atop that program, and what you've done year after year within the program has built a culture and identity that people recognize. So as you're trying to evaluate your culture, hey, check one off there, TJ. You've nailed it. Great work. Hey, I appreciate that. You know, it made me, it made me think of uh, you know, another thought for other coaches. I was thinking about like what, it, what may have helped – uh, us to get to that point I think one of the things that might really really help might have helped or did help was I spent a, I started spending I made a transition in my career where I spent a lot less time thinking about I, I remember looking at other people's rosters and being like oh gosh oh gosh you know and started thinking about the competition how we're going to beat them as soon as I started spending more time on us and less time on them I think that's when our standards started to raise even more when I started thinking about listen uh, uh, you know a uh, Things happen like good situations, awards, wins, all that. Those are all byproducts of a good product. And if you spend too much time thinking about the byproducts and not focusing on the product, you, you get off course. You you lose you lose uh, that that you know laser like vision that you need to be excellent. So you don't catch if you ever catch yourself thinking too much about everybody else. Turn that focus in. Yeah, turn that focus and get it back on on you and your program. Absolutely. I've seen programs where that's played out, TJ, where coaches are so concerned trying to get the next best player in. Yeah. All the while, like, they have players leaking out the back. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, man, if you just would have just spent a little bit more time, been more invested, poured deeper into these players, that player you already had in here – could have become even better than the person you're seeking out there just a great reminder but listen coaches hopefully this helped you hopefully this challenged you and as you keep building your team and your program work to try to build a program where your legacies and standards is as intimidating as the competition that would be awesome listen if you have any thoughts on this send us a tweet at hardwood underscore hustle we would love to hear from you i am adam he's tj together we are the hardwood hustle till next time we're out